0: Gaily bedight, a gallant knight, in sunshine and in shadow, had journeyed long... What's that all about? Just a poem, one of Johnny Diamond's favorites. Let's see. Gaily bedight, a gallant knight, in sunshine and in shadow, had journeyed long, singing a song, in search of El Dorado. Howdy, everyone. Pull up a chair, kick up your boots, take a sip on a nice cold drink. It's Elder Pado, season three of Support Your Local Podcast, where we take a look at the 1966 John Wayne classic, El Dorado, one chapter at a time. I'm your host, as always, Robert Smith, coming to you from beautiful Tombstone. Yes, that one. Today, we'll be taking a look at chapter 12, Getting the Job Done. Uh, We left off last chapter with our heroes uh, a bit downtrodden and uh, losing their bargaining chip and Bart Jason and and, uh, Cole having, well, having another one of his attacks. We we start today with Maudie taking a tray from Maria back at uh, JP's place, and our younger doctor from earlier is taking a look at Cole. JP's sitting at a piano pecking away at a few keys, and Mississippi's sitting at a table picking dirt from under his nail with his knife. We find out that Cole is able to move, but his right arm, his, his shooting arm, is uh still numb, and the doctor tells him that he may have waited too long to get his fixed, and we cut to a contemplative bowl standing like Captain Morgan, you know, ha as he as he stares out the window. You know, perhaps he's worried about Cole, uh perhaps he's worried about their, their situation, you know, maybe maybe just maybe he's He's second guessing his evil plan to overthrow the sheriff and, you know, he's seeing the effect his actions are, are having on people because at the end of the day, you know, Bull, Bull has a heart as, as big as the whole outdoors. Maudie asks the doctor if he can still operate on Cole and he admits he could, but he'd be laid up from it and Cole won't let him uh, be laid up with everything going on. JP asks if Bull is just going to stand there looking out the window all day and, and Bull replies simply and, and wisely, Yes. Uh, he realizes that McLeod had let them get out of town way too easily. So we've established this place is in fact out of town and they are presumably holding themselves up right now. So if this is JP's place, wouldn't someone in town know that and be able to tell Jason or McLeod where to find them? Question mark. Or are they no longer of concern for them now that Jason's back and Cole's seemingly out of commission? What do you think? We, we cut to nighttime, time, uh, dinner time from the looks of it, and Bull is still the ever vigilant sentry, you know, looking out the window when, when he notices the McDonald's coming up. It's Joey and Saul McDonald's wife who is walking in holding a shotgun to which no one even bats an eye. You know, we we just finished our last chapter with Cole telling JP that the McDonald's are going to blame the sheriff for whatever happens from this whole fiasco. And I mean, yes, uh, that was a week ago in podcast time, but in the movie, it's literally two minutes ago, if that. So seeing the hot-headed McDonald and another one walking in with a shotgun, maybe shouldn't be as casual as an experience as this is. Just saying. We find out that Saul, presumably that's one of the brothers, has been kidnapped by the McLeod gang. Cole, never one to miss an opportunity for a catty comment, uh, chastises Joey that she was supposed to be warning her family to watch out. And she replies that cattle still need to be watered. And you can almost just barely hear the non-existent asshole to punctuate the sentence. Hell, even I took offense on this one. Like, look here, asshole. You shot and killed my brother. You weren't able to keep my other brother from getting shot. You then ignored your own plan of staying in the jail and got yourself beat up to the point that you lost the only hope we had of going out of this alive. And now, now, instead of guarding my family, Are you listening, asshole? You told me to, hey, be careful. That's like thoughts and prayers. Asshole. We find out that Saul is the bargaining chip that Jason's using to get Paul McDonald to sign over his water rights. Uh, But everyone agrees that it won't end there as Jason wouldn't want any witnesses to how he got those rights signed. So the plan is to have McDonald come to Bart Jason's bar and, you know, you remember the just saloon tonight, uh, JP gives a good explanation of the situation and why he doesn't think he'll be able to help. Jason has McLeod and a bunch of gunmen while they have two cripples, his word, not mine, a green kid and a noisy old to which bull interjects Indian fighter. It's a nice little comedic beat, despite, you know, some of the terminology of a, of a few people in that group that you, you can't really say anymore. But, uh, They send the ladies off to tell Paul that he must do what he has to do, but they will try to help. And Joey admits that all this may have been avoided if she hadn't shot Cole, which, you know, valid point. I take away one of the asshole comments. As the ladies walk out the door, we get Mississippi taking a second glance at the exiting Joey and some very, well, let's say snug leather pants. Um... We're not talking Sharon Stone and the quick and the dead level tightness of jeans, but hey, admittedly not bad. Um, Bull asked the sheriff what the plan is and JP admits he truly doesn't know. Then we hear a click and everyone looks over at Cole, who is doing the Terminator 2 spinning the shotgun type thing trick, you know, like 30 years before Arnie made it famous, which that's nice, you know. He, he's holding a rifle in his left hand, and he's, he's spinning it to cock it. And you can see the Duke wincing in pain as he does it. So it's nice to see the thought behind it being acted out. You know, his, his back and such is still giving him a, a lot of grief. And this is obviously not a motion that he's, he's used to. He says he can hit something with it if he gets close enough and asks JP to load it for him. And it's not called out in the movie, but I noticed it as a a nice little homage to the Duke having to load J.P.'s gun for him earlier on. He says that he'll ride up to Jason's in a wagon and use the fact that they all think that he's no good to his advantage. Then it'll be like last time when they fooled them with the sheriff's sickness, only in reverse with Cole being the bait and the rest going in the back. They hurry up to load up a couple wagons so they can get there before the McDonald's do. And we cut to everyone heading out front and getting into the wagons. The the Duke makes sure that no one would be able to see his rifle sitting next to him. And then when Mississippi asks the valid question of how the Duke plans to get down from the wagon when he gets there, the Duke has the equally valid response, it's easy. I'm just going to fall down. See if it works. To continue the valid questions, and let me just say that I love this part of the movie because... Let's be honest. These are the questions that the audience may be having themselves. And instead of it just being a forced exposition dump, it's presented like a natural conversation that these guys would really be having. But uh, anyway, to continue the valid questions, Cole wants to know the logistics and the timing of the others going out back and helping him while he's busy getting shot at out front. So JP has the only answer there is. If we get done in time, Bo will blow his bugle, which we all know means that he's coming. And if not in time, well, Cole's on his own. Shrug. It's a nice little touch. Maudie is standing beside John Wayne's wagon, and Mississippi is behind her. And I'm not trying to be the pervy guy. Like, really, I'm not. And I'm not exactly trying to call out James Caan. But the entire time that Maudie talks in this next bit... His eyes are directly down at Maudie's ass. Like, not looking her up and down and checking her. Like They are visibly, for several seconds, looking straight down at her ass. Just saying. Maudie asks if she can ride into town with Cole, and he replies that she'll need to get off when he tells her. Uh, she tells him she'll get off, which, phrasing, uh, maybe one you know last little finger bang between friends on the way to his death you know, who knows? She climbs up beside him and Mississippi starts the El Dorado poem before saying, I'll see you Cole. And the Duke rides off and JP hollers for Bull to hurry up. Bull comes back out with a bow and arrow and a plan to be stealthy. You know, as the three load up into the other wagon, Mississippi finishes the El Dorado poem and he the horses into action. It sounds just like that. You'll see. Uh, We dissolve into the familiar El Dorado Main Street and the Duke with Maudie's wagon. And the Duke picks her up, uh, uh, excuse me, kicks her off the wagon. Well, not literally, but you know. And she's visibly not happy with this whole plan. And she tells the Duke, so, you know, she's not going to say goodbye or this is crazy. Um, She'll just go and buy him a six foot six pine box and dot, dot, dot. She's interrupted by the Duke who has no time for this nonsense. But uh, no, he, he sees the McDonald's riding into town and he tells her to go stop him. And you know, how conveniently timed because otherwise he would have had to listen to his love interest with a reasonable reaction to his lifestyle of his. So, you know, good on him for avoiding that. We see the second wagon rolling in and there's a great shot of Bull sitting on the edge of the back with his like shit eating grin. And he's just kicking his feet back and forth like a little kid. And, you know, is is this bull enjoying the, the chauffeur treatment? Is this bull knowing that his plan will fail and he'll finally be free? You know, after all, he's he's already stacking the deck by using a bow and arrow instead of a gun, you know, effectively giving their team just two. And this is a quote from the movie, so don't at me. Two cripples and a green kid. Question mark? They hop off and JP is still on his crutch and they start sneaking towards the back of Jason's place. There is a a horribly off-tuned piano playing in the background, presumably the one the sheriff shot up earlier. And it's interesting that you can hear the piano all the way out here in the back, but not gunshots other places? Sound is weird. They they see a man posted outside the back door, and the sheriff asks Bull if he can he bow and arrow the guy from here, and Bull says he, he can't miss. But uh, Mississippi looks concerned, and he asks if the guy would be able to yell when he got hit, and Bull replies, well, plenty, so, you know, so much for the stealth mission. Mississippi then has an idea, and he collects a flower pot in a nearby window, and he hands off his hat, you know, that hat and puts the bottom tray of the flower pot on his head. He then drapes a cloak of some sort from a a nearby laundry line around his shoulders, and, oh, oh no, he's, he's not, no, like, is he? Oh, my, all right, well, yes, yes, he is. Okay, I've seen this movie a million times, so... I'm obviously just pretending to not know what's coming next, but, uh, well, it's something that happened, so let's get through it. And anyone who has heard some of my previous stuff, um, specifically older stuff that doesn't age well, I'm not an apologist for, oh, it was a different time, but it is what it is. So, James Caan pretends to be an Asian man. Specifically, the racial stereotype of someone from China. And this is something that, sadly, you would often see in the Westerns of this time frame. He, he crouches down and he tries to squint his eyes. And he then begins to make bing bong tong noises, kind of mimicking Chinese words. Even goes so far as saying, see you rater. Now, I'm not taking the moral high ground, You know, as a kid, I I fucking laughed at this. I'm not going to lie. And it's okay if you laugh at it today. You know, that's you, and and you do you, boo. It's just a bit more uncomfortable seeing through through a 2020s lens. He hops, and, like, literally hop-walks towards the guy standing and guarding the door. And when the noticeably and rightfully confused guy tries to stop him, Khan hauls off and cold-cocks him. Like, he then you know, it hurts. He says, so Solly, and he waves Bull and JP to follow him. Thankfully, we're past this part. I'm sorry, guys. They then sneak through the back door and they have a peek at what's going on. And we see several men, um, a couple playing cards at the table by the front door. One man is sitting in a chair without a table, sipping beer. And several others are standing at the bar with Bart Jason and Nelson McLeod, but uh, there's no one by the back door, so that's just the one guy on the outside, huh? Okay. Um, there's a man tied to a chair, and that's presumably Sal McDonald. You know, he's sitting close to the table, this man. The sheriff makes the comment that Joe is never that great on the piano, to which Bull replies, it didn't help you shooting it. Um... We cut to the Duke on his wagon approaching, and the foreman gets up from a chair outside the front door. He announces to McCloud that Cole Thornton's coming, and McCloud springs into action. He he exits the batwing doors and he tells a few guys to stay on the McDonald kid. Cole rides up to in front where Nels is waiting patiently, and Jason joins McCloud as does three others. So we should have the foreman, Jason. McLeod, and the three goons. Six folks. Remember that. Jason says he didn't expect to see Cole there, and as Cole sits on the wagon with his arm tucked, palm upright, you know, he says that there's still a question unanswered between Nelson and him. When Jason tries to talk again, he's shushed by McLeod, and the mock formality between him and Cole continues. He knows that the question can't be answered, Because Cole's gun arm is messed up, and the Duke tells him to, you know, let me get off this wagon and I'll show you. Nels wants to know why he should let him get down, and we get a call back to the professional courtesy line, which is a nice little touch. This uh, chatters enough time for the guys inside to formulate their plan, and Bull shoots an arrow into the back of the guy closest to McDonald. Despite earlier concerns of people yelling when shot with the arrow, uh, this guy's completely silent, and no one notices what's going on until Bull's able to blow his bugle. And, knowing what we know about Bull blowing his bugle, does he do it every time he kills someone? Is that, like, is that his kink? You know, is, is that is that letting him, you know, get there? Question mark? Anywho... Nels and the crows on the uh, the boardwalk are distracted by the, the bugle, and the Duke takes that chance to whip out his rifle and start blasting. He then takes a great leap from the wagon, and he, he hits the ground. But he still has his rifle still at the ready, and he shoots Nels just as he was getting his pistols drawn, and, and Jason and the others kind of scatter. We cut to the McDonald's watching from across the way, and it's Paul... The other brother, Matt, Sal's wife, and I'm not sure if this other lady is Matt's wife. Um, she appears the same age as Sal's wife and Joey. Uh, so to have kids that age, I really don't think this is Maul uh, McDonald. The the Duke blasts McCloud again, and he's making him drop one of his pistols. Then again, you know, he shoots him and finally knocking him over to the ground. For someone with six guys to contend with... He's spending a lot of seconds and a lot of bullets on this already shot McLeod. Just, just saying. We cut inside to where the sheriff is blasting away at some of the inside guards. And one guy takes a dive behind a table just as Mississippi lets loose with his shotgun. And Mississippi's shot takes out the window. And, you know, luckily the, the guy on the porch standing there. So presumably this is one of the six guys attacking the Duke and he didn't just hit a, a random bystander. The sheriff hollers, freeze it right there, Johnny, at the bartender behind the bar. And uh, there's a couple interesting things there uh, about that. Um, One, the bartender's standing there with his hands up, and he does not have a bandage on it from the splintering incident earlier. And two, as we mentioned in a previous episode, the bartender's name is Elmer, and the guy playing the bartender is Robert Mitchum's real-life brother. John Mitchum. So it's an air that was left in when Robert Mitchum hollers, freeze it right there, Johnny. So for you, fun facts out there. We, we cut to the Duke now holding his leg and hobbling as the foreman hides under the hitching post to shoot at the Duke. And he's promptly shot in the gut by John Wayne and whoop, whoop, whoop. We'll head him off at the pass. Head him off at the pass. I hate that cliche. <laughs> he does the classic face of someone gut shot and promptly dies. The The Duke then has to reload, and this gives Bart Jason the chance to grab the foreman's gun. You know, after all, he's, he's not going to need it anymore. You know, just saying. Um, before he can fire, however, Joey McDonald is across the street with her rifle, and she takes two shots to hit Ed Asner thus further proving she had no right to be so proud of her shooting ability at close range. Just saying. Uh, Jason falls down dead, and Bull comes out of the Batwing doors, presumably now faced with the reality that his, his brilliant evil plan was, was all for naught. Um, the good guy still won, and his future, his glory, is lying there broken and dead at, at his feet. Poor Bull. Uh, you know, will will he ever escape the clutches of this damn drunken sheriff? We'll see. Anyways, we see the foreman, Jason and Nels, lying there on the boardwalk. There's presumably the guy shot through the window, just a, a bit further down, out of frame. But we never saw the other two guys shot. Where are they? You know, now that the fighting is over, now the other McDonald's, Paul included, uh, they finally come running over with guns drawn chicken shits paul even has the balls to tell joey i thought i told you to stay out of this like what the fuck dude cole tells him he's glad that she did help and it appears that joey's debt to him for shooting him has finally been redeemed bull calls cole over to the downed nelson mcleod and he's not quite dead yet i feel happy you're welcome sean Nels tells Cole he didn't give him a chance at all, did he? And, you know, so much for professional courtesy from the Duke, I I guess. Cole admits that uh, he couldn't give him any chance because Nels was too good. And that makes him lament the fact that, you know, he let a one-armed man take him and and promptly, presumably as I thought he'd already be dead, um, dies. We end our scene back in the jail with a second of Mississippi holding a coffee cup I'm um, looking concerned for Cole, who's getting a bandana wrapped around his thigh by the, the younger doctor. So what happens next? You know, as we are are very fastly coming up to the conclusion of our, our little movie here. Um, will those other two guys come back for revenge in El Dorado 2? Easy for you to say. Will Cole finally get that surgery? Will Bull keep blowing his bugle to sweet release? Find out this and more when we return next time with Elder Pado. Uh, but until then, as always, you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, we are at support your local podcast. Please take the time to like and follow us there. And if you have a free moment, something that is absolutely free, but you can help me out with a great deal, is rating and reviewing us on whatever podcatcher you find us on. But uh, until we meet again, folks, you know I love you. Please, please, please support your local podcast. And when is strength? failed him at length he met a pilgrim shadow shadow said he where can it be this land called el dorado over the mountains of the moon down the valley of the shadow ride boldly ride the shade replied you search for el dorado